This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dow Higgins. I'm a speaker and an executive coach, and today I am delighted to welcome Dr. Amy Mednick to the show. Dr. Amy Mendick will talk about strategies for better virtual connections, but she has a very unique perspective as a psychiatrist and a scientist. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Oh my gosh, Amy, you and I were chatting before the show started. This is such important information. I'm just going to give a quick data point and then we're going to dive into a juicy conversation. There's a great McKinsey opportunity survey out there that just revealed that 58% of Americans now have the option to work from home one day a week, and then 35% of Americans can opt out of the office and work wherever they choose for the full five-day work week. So listen, Zoom Palooza is alive and well, and this <laughs> online interaction is really um taking a toll. So I would love to just dive in and and have a great conversation. Can you tell us about your remote experience that really led to writing this book with your co-author? Sure. Yes, I'd love to. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a psychiatrist. Um, so I see patients, you know, therapy and medications one-on-one. Um, I had been actually doing a little bit of remote um, sessions before the pandemic, but obviously everything went, went online for me, just like many others. Um, and luckily I'm in a field that's, that's pretty well suited to that, um, as far as the medical field goes. So, so suddenly everything that I, just like everyone else, everything that I was doing was online and not just that, but I also, so were all of my my patients and clients. They're um, you know mostly working people. Um, so everyone was going through the same thing as me, and they were coming to me for their problems, right? So I I really got a very interesting and huge slice of kind of what a lot of different people's working lives, working at home, of course, lives um, were like, and how they shifted during the during the um, pandemic, especially early on. Um, and then um, my co-author Diane Leonard um, approached me about about this book, um, you know, writing about the remote experience. Pretty early into the remote experience, we started writing at the end of um, 2020. So we were we were all still figuring things out. Um, so writing the book was very interesting because we really lived it and and tried to figure these things out as we as we went. So we knew we were exhausted at the end of the day more than any other day. And we knew that we were having, you know, losing focus and we knew all the things that our clients and patients were experiencing as well. And and so it was really a kind of a living project where we were figuring out why we were having these kind of problems and then what, what would work, you know, and, and having experiences of writing about what would work and then having to remind ourselves to actually do those things. Um, so that's kind of how we got here. Well, and it was a it was a research experiment in real time for the whole world. Exactly. Right? We, we yeah. had to do it out yeah. of necessity. But I love your scientific and medical insight here. Clearly, as a psychiatrist, you approach this with a very different lens than your colleague who approached it from a business lens. Both are great. So it's a wonderful combination. Yeah. But 
I'd love to pick at, you study the psychology around people working in remote settings and how connecting with people digitally impacted our brains. So let's go there because that's really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I find it very interesting. So the way that I kind of organized my thoughts around this and and how to how to approach this and how to approach how we can all approach it is um, was to think about certain basic needs that we have as human beings, social creatures, social beings. Um, there's there are certain needs that we that we need met, just like our need for food, you know, right? And we we need food, and when we don't have it, we have hunger to tell us that we need to to get more. In the same way, these these basic social needs that we have um, also alert us to when things are missing. So we thought that would be a great approach to it because we could find these warning signs for when these certain needs aren't met to know when things weren't working and, and why. Um, and so the three needs that we identified um, that have you know showed up in, in the research and things, um, the first one is kind of on a more basic level. We have a need for safety and comfort, right? When that's that comes first. If you're not feeling safe where you are, you're, that's your brain is focused on that, and that requires the presence of other people. Um, and so the question we looked into was, does this count, right? So if there's a bunch of faces on the screen, are you alone or are you with people? Um, so we we looked into that a lot. The second need that we looked at was the need for understanding. So the need to make sense of the world and and make sense mostly of other people and their intentions and their meaning. That's a very complex, difficult, energy intensive task for the brain. And so the brain has developed the human brain over evolution has developed shortcuts and and you know quick quick ways to do that in a day so that we don't get completely exhausted just by figuring out what your friend's trying to tell you. Um, those, we can imagine, were not built to talk to someone on a flat screen. So a lot of those uh, shortcuts, either we, we find that they either fall flat and we can't use them or things are very distorted because um, they're not designed for this. And that's where we see a lot of the fatigue, Zoom fatigue, and and the exhaustion kind of cropping up, because um, because these things are not working the way they're they're designed. Uh, we weren't made for this Zoom world, and we've only had we haven't had enough time to evolve, right? Um, and then the third one is is on a bigger level. We have, of course, the need for belonging. We have the need to be part of a group as social creatures. That was hardwired into us to keep us safe because. You know, you're not you're not safe when you're alone away from the pack um, when in evolutionary terms. So uh, we also looked at when when that need is not met, that can be a little bit more obvious, but it can present in different ways um, on Zoom, you know, with issues with feeling unseen or unheard um, can kind of come up a little bit more easily. So that was the third need that we looked at and, and kind of how that um how that manifests sometimes in feelings of exclusion. Um, yeah, so that was how how we kind of set it up, and I can be happy to talk about any of those in more depth. Yeah, so let, let's let's pull at that a little bit. And Amy, I remember kind of midway through, you know, what we call lockdown when when we were mm-hmm. forced uh, out of necessity, non essential workers to be home. Um, there were some interesting articles that came out with brain scans of our of people on Zoom, right? And it it really mm-hmm. gave everybody pause. And what I'm hearing you say is that it impacts our our nervous system 
to be on screen all day. And I feel, I always feel bad for the Zoom folks, right? Because we vilify Zoom. We have Zoom as a verb and Zoom as a noun. Yeah. You know, there's so many different webcast forms, right? So we're not attacking Zoom as an organization. But the reality is that being on screen all day is impacting our mental health. So dig a little deeper there and tell us what that looks like. Yeah, so um, it's it's not normal for us. It's not the way that we, that we were designed. Um, and so, and, and I will say in terms of vilifying zoom, you know, this is, this is not to say, here's all the, here's all the problems. We shouldn't be doing this. We're going to be doing this, right? This, as you said at the beginning, this is here to stay. So this is more of a question of recognizing where it's hurting us so that we can fix it. And so we can change the way we live in this, in this type of environment. Um, but there, but there are a lot of ways that, yes, that it impacts our nervous system. And the one that I focused on was the way that having other people around calms our nervous system. And that was hardwired in from day one, because right, as humans, we need to have other people around. We can't survive our own, on our own, unlike some other animals that, you know, are born and walk away. Um, so we are, are wired to need other people around and to get, um, to get a bit uncomfortable when we're all alone. It's just, it drives us to seek out people. It drives us to maintain connections. That's the way that we're hardwired. Um, and, you know, everyone's different. And so for some people, the the Zoom environment may may meet that need and may be all that they really need for, for social connection. But we find that the majority of people, that's not the case. So even though people are around you all day long and you're sitting in your home office and you're going from meeting to meeting and you feel like you're talking to people, it is possible that your nervous system doesn't totally, isn't totally on board with that. Um, you know, it's kind of like, where is everybody? And when it has that feeling and when that's a persistent feeling and when that need for connection is, is consistently not met for you, it's going to affect the way that you think, um, even without you realizing it. Without that comfort, without that calming of the nervous system, you're more likely to either have a have a, a fight or flight response, which I, we, when we talk about that, it sounds a little bit extreme, but even without a full fight or flight, you still may just be a little bit elevated, right? Your, your nervous system may be a little bit hypervigilant, kind of looking, you know, looking for danger, look, looking for the next thing, or, or, you know, hypervigilance might come out as, as, um, you know, being very sensitive to sound, you know, sound in the next room, you, you jump. Whereas if you were around some other people, you wouldn't be quite as jumpy. You'd be really focused on the, the task at hand. And that's really what suffers because when your attention is sort of, um, kind of diffusely directed at, at everything and, and kind of worried, it's, it's, doesn't serve focused, productive, creative kind of attention. Um, I go into a lot more detail in the book about there's there's a lot involved in, in paying attention and orienting yourself. And um, there's a lot of steps that it takes to, to focus on a task. Um, so that's where um, kind of being in that elevated state is going to interfere with that. And the way you're going to know is if it, if you are if you are finding that to be a problem, if your focus is drifting, if you can't stay on one task for a long time. Amy will be right back after a quick break. Hello there, it's Caroline Dowd Higgins. 
I know that hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who can customize content to meet your goals and someone who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Meeting planners around the world have recognized me for being easy to work with and uniquely suited to create dynamic programming for your needs. My style is high energy and engaging with practical takeaways that participants can implement in their lives and careers immediately. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create healthy workplace cultures, or prevent burnout in your organization, I create customized content to help recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. From the boardroom to the training room or the convention hall, I will help your audience thrive. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. Okay, Amy, I get it. I, I believe you. I believe the science. I, I'm hearing, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs here and mm -hmm. this connection and the sense of belonging, which is very interesting because so many organizations are now focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So yes, I believe you. Let me also pose something that may be a bit of a curveball. What I'm experiencing personally is that my life is so much better because I have flexibility and that three-hour commute, which caused stress and tension, is gone because I have the flexibility to work remotely. Does that play into our well-being and our nervous system? Is that a trade-off? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm experiencing the same thing. I think a lot of people are experiencing the same thing. And there's there's huge benefits and flexibility and more time with our family and things like that. I I believe that where the trade-off comes in on that um, is that we have so much flexibility that we can really do everything and we can do everything at once and we can sign off of Zoom and, you know, run to our kids school and we can we can finish the work day and get right to the kitchen or the garage or, or whatever we need to get done um and that's the flexibility that that we're talking about that we're all relishing um i believe that even that is taking a toll because what's we've gained a lot totally agreed the things that are lost are are very are very subtle and are things that we don't really you know necessarily think about or miss things like you know talking around the water cooler things like like you said sitting on your terrible three hour commute but those did serve a purpose right so a three hour commute's too long but a commute um, serves a, a very specific boundary between work and home. Um, actually having to physically get up and leave separates in your brain, your work and your home. Um, things like talking around the water cooler, things like, you know, a little bit of chit chat before a meeting. We're not thinking about that. We, you know, we're much more efficient now, right? When we don't have that and we can just end one meeting and start the next meeting. But when we think about what's lost, um, just that sense of, of, 
having a, a little, little bit of social connection. We don't need a ton, but when, you know, when we just have these little interactions during the day, they add up to feel, to feel connected and to feel social. Um, so we're missing that. We're missing other people being around. We're so efficient. We're doing everything. We can do it all. Um, I think that's where a lot of the, the fatigue and the exhaustion that, and the burnout really that, that people are experiencing more and more is coming from. It's even easier now for us, especially women, to just do more, <laughs> just add more, just put more on our plates, just work a little harder. Why not? You're already home. Um, so I think it's I think it's adding up and taking a toll. That's really important to to track because it's so easy to kind of just get um, to appreciate that flexibility and get a little bit, um, you know, lose some of the boundaries and not realize uh, you know, how much it is, how much it is really adding up for you. Thank you for shining a spotlight on that. You, you are exactly right. You know, the expectation is, well, you're home, you can, you know, whip up a batch of something delicious, and then you can throw in a load of laundry and pick up the kids early because you're close. And, and again, I'm, I'm generalizing and, and certainly painting a picture that is, um, out there for some women, perhaps some men as well. But the reality mm-hmm. is it has changed our boundaries. What I find fascinating is organizations that are calling people back to work, yet all their meetings are on Zoom. So they get to work and then they sit in uh, you know, a, an office where they're on Zoom all day. That seems completely counterintuitive to me. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I've, you know, I, I talked to a lot of my patients and it gives me, it gives me a lot of, uh, uh, a lens into what companies are doing and how their how their employees are feeling about it cuz across the board a lot of people feel disrespected you know i think um i think that's a an issue and that's not making for good productive employees um and i always ask people you know people who are working at home are you happy with that people who are hybrid you know what do you think um and i i hear a lot of people who some people are perfectly happy at home, but a, a lot of people do want a little something, you know, do have trouble working and focusing at home and, and want that other, want that change in environment to help them work. Um, and, and may see co, you know, might see coworkers if they're being forced to go into the office and, and might enjoy that. Um, so, so the question of being called into work and then going back onto the, onto zoom and sitting online, um, it does not sound ideal to me. I think that it may um, it may alleviate some of the problems that we're talking about because you, maybe you're reinstilling some of that camaraderie. Mm. Um, if you're if you're having the meeting on Zoom and then you can shut your computer and actually turn to someone and talk about it, I think that's that would be great. That's what so many of us were missing in 2020 and 2021. Um, you know, just shutting the computer and being by by ourselves. So I I think it has be, could have benefit there and could um could alleviate some of the problems. But if it's just I mean we know if it's just kind of going going through the motions, if it's about optics, you yeah. know, um then it's you know, it's I think then it's not really fair to the people who are who are doing that. Um and fairness is, you know, very important and we get to burn out a lot and it's one of the main, I think one of the main contributors to people starting to feel burnt out if they feel that uh, things aren't, 
you know, that they're not being treated fairly at work. So Amy, let's dig into uh, the stress response and and how we can really um, focus on that. You write, you and Diane write beautifully about the human centered approach. So tell us what we can do to, to, to mitigate Zoompalooza brain and really think Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, what are the tactics to move forward? Mm hmm. Um, so, you know, there's there's tactics on different levels. There's the stress response, which is very personal, which is just happening to you individually um, and kind of identifying what's causing that and, and completing the stress cycle. And we go through a lot of very basic strategies, you know, breathing and being in nature and, and things, things like that, that calm the fight or flight um, that are really important to just complete that. Um and, you know, for, for individuals and then also for leaders, because if they're feeling bad, then probably the people they're talking to are as well. Um, and it's something that they can model for everyone else. But then in terms of this work, you know, this extra work that the brain is having to do for Zoom, um, there's there's a lot that can be done to, to decrease that extra work. Um, just just through communications, just through keeping things very clear and explicit, leaders can do that. Um, you know, there's already ambiguity in this in this medium, right? Where we can't quite read each other's body language, we can't quite read things. That's what's making everything a little bit more exhausting. So, anywhere that ambiguity can be removed is really um, is really very important. Um, and then on a on a more organizational level, um, I think that, you know, leaders can, this, this whole work-life boundary issue that we're all having a little bit because our work and our life is all in the same place. Um, there's, there's, there's things you can do, right? There's, even though your work is your home and you're not commuting, I, I sometimes tell my clients to get up at the end of the day and walk around the block anyway, um, and come home and sit down and it feels silly. And I don't know, it's hard for people to follow through on something like that because we're all so efficient. Um, but things like that signal to your brain and these signals are really important. Um, you know, shutting things down, not checking your email one more time. Um, all night, right before bed, all of these things kind of enter your brain back into working mode. Um, so we have to be especially deliberate with things like that. And, um, you know, especially, especially, I think it's important for, for leaders, you know, and, and if your boss is expecting you to answer her email at, at 9 PM, then you're going to also be online. So, um, that's just, I think of some, a few of the ways there's many. I agree wholeheartedly that setting that expectation at home is especially important. But I love the idea of walk around the block. Not only is it good to refresh and reboot, but it is your habit, right? That's your commute. But it, it's a lovely opportunity to tell your brain, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if you if you really, we talk in the book about having an end of day ritual, whatever that is for you. It, it just, it does that. It sends a signal to your brain. This part of the day is over. Now we're moving on. Whatever, whatever that is for you, you do that as a ritual, you do that every day and it, it will, it will let you shift. And then you got to 
you know, you shift into home mode and you stay there. Yeah, that's great. Don't, you know, yeah. Dr. Amy Mednick, I learned so much from you and your co-author, Diane Leonard. I want to mention the title of your book, Humanizing the Remote Experience Through Leadership and Coaching, Strategies for Better Virtual Connections. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But I know you want to share with the audience uh, your website. Yes. So our, we have a website for the book. It's uh, www.htre-book.com. Um, and that links to more information on me and my co-author and, and some more, more info about the book. Lovely. Amy, I wish you and Diane continued success. Thank you for this important work. It is truly helpful to all of us. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And if you like the show, follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.